Howdy dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the Westworld Fan Podcast. Today we're going to be recapping and reviewing Season 2, Episode 9, entitled Vanishing Point. Directed by Stephen Williams and written by Roberto Patino. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. So Ryan, how's that uh, Man in Black Redemption arc going for you? Well, I'll tell you, happy Father's Day. Oh, that's from, right, thanks. From, from the good old Man in Black. <laughs> I, will t- I am upset. You know how uh, we were talking about the Man in Black most of this season as being like the new protagonist, the new guy that people root for? Uh, that might be over. This makes me realize that like every every Father's Day... Uh, HBO likes to do something fucked up, <laughs> like when uh, Tyrion killed Tywin. That was also on a Father's Day. Really? Do you think yeah. they're? Pl- do you think this is the plan? <laughs> do you think when they go in, this is the plan, or do you think it just so happens to land there every time? Yeah, I mean, when you have your show on a Sunday, eventually, dads are gonna get killed on Father's Day. <laughs> dads are gonna kill the kids on Father's Day. Oh Jesus! This episode has me so shook, man. Like. The there was a specific moment where I think I was the most surprised I've ever been at this show. Would you say? I without without te- with teasing, but without saying the moment right now. Yeah, it was a Game of Thrones moment where I was like, "Oh, they went there." I like caught. I like my heart skipped a beat. I, I, I don't want to just keep. I mean, if you've watched the episode, you know the exact moment that we're talking about. But like, oh God, I I I, I tweeted this morning like. Because I, I didn't watch it last night. I woke up early this morning and I watched it. I was like, it, it was such a mistake to watch this episode when you have other things to do during the day. Like, I, how could I recover? I will say right at the beginning that I'm a little bit of a Drangus, James. Okay? I uh, I am in Nashville this week. On, Whoa. Yeah, on, uh, on a trip for work. And Nashville is great, okay? But I'm a Drangus and I forgot my microphone. So... Um, when I sound worse, it's because I'm stupid. <laughs> and if you're wondering uh, what business brings Ryan to Nashville, he is a mafia hitman, and that's where his next mark is. Wow. Okay, so like rule number one of being a hitman is that you don't tell people that. But you know what? Maybe it's the ultimate misdirection when you're like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hitman. Nah. <laughs> By the way, I'm not a hitman. Oh, that's totally what a hitman would say. This episode's broken up into a few main plot lines, and we're going to start out with Bernard. He begins his plot line down in the labs watching Charlotte turn Clementine into a robot-killing monster. Uh, but at least she's back, and Bernard old Ford, Ford Bernard, Ford Bernard, what do we call, what do we call Burn Ford? Burn, Doc, Dr. Ford Burn. <laughs> yeah, so Dr. Ford Burn, the, the, you're right, like, the moment it came up, Clementine Pennyfeather best name was on screen and I was like, well, at least she's here. She after Teddy, she's got to be the host who gets like killed and abused the most. Oh, oh, absolutely. And and like Maeve tries her hardest to prevent that right up until she can't. And and you're right. T- out of all of these tragic stories, Teddy probably tops it for being, you know, up there with Maeve as as tragic but clem does not get enough backstory not enough things to be able to add to the pro column so when bad things happen to her it hurts 
Using Maeve's admin privileges code, Clementine is forced to kill a bunch of hosts by making them go berserk and kill one another, while Bernard looks on in horror. So she's a zombie, basically, and now she has the ability to raise other zombies. New Deathbringer on site, y'all. Yeah, she and the Night's King are just going to get together and be a power couple. Oh my god. What would their power couple even name, name be, though, like... Knights Dentine Penny King? Night King, plenty of her best name. Bernard tries to go to Elsie, who's waiting for him in the garage, but Ford won't let him, saying that there's one last thing they need to do. They go together to visit Maeve, and Ford transmits a message to her through the mesh network. This feels weird, though. Did it feel like retcon to you? If Ford can just psychically bounce from host to host... You wouldn't think he would need to, like, taxi around in Bernard. But as for the retcon thing, uh... Because he says Maeve is his favorite. And I was like, what? Yeah, Ford is in Maeve's mind now, and he tells her that he tried to build the hosts to live more nobly in this world than humans. And Maeve was his favorite. Kind of comes out of nowhere. He's impressed that she sacrificed her freedom to save her daughter and implores Maeve to continue her fight for survival. I I wondered, like, what the point of this whole scene was. I guess you paid for Anthony Hopkins, and and you gotta use him. So, it seemed kind of a pointless scene to me. We never had any inkling. In the scene where Maeve originally, like, wakes up and is freaking out about her daughter, Ford didn't really seem like he cared about Maeve that much. No, and this all comes after the Ghost Nation episode, in which he kind of, like told Aki that he was his first and he's been watching Aki for a long time and 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 and, it, and like our protagonist perhaps like switched in that moment or at least not protagonist but like the person we were rooting for the most or at least for me became Aki within one episode and then the next episode he kisses Maeve on the head and says that she's his favorite uh, it just I don't know it felt weird also, if I'm Bernard, I'm like, dude, I've done fucking so much for you. I killed the woman I loved. I'm not even your favorite. Right. Like, I'm I'm actually the recreation, thanks to you and Dolores, of your partner Arnold, and you can't give me props? You're a dick. After that, Bernard goes to meet Elsie in the garage. She questions him about the cradle, and he tells her about the valley beyond which he calls the Forge. This thing now has a million names. Yeah. (laughs) Stupid. Keep going. (laughs) The Forge is a recreation of the consciousness of all the newcomers who have ever come to the park. Bernard says that they need to get there before anyone else to fix the outcome in their favor, which I guess, like, I don't know, like, what, blow it up? I don't understand. Like, what are you going to do there exactly? Yeah, I don't understand that fully. The moment Bernie tells Elsie the truth, I was just kind of wondering, like, oh, no, like, you know, Ford is there. Did Bernie just sign her death sentence by telling her the truth? Bernard and Elsie ride together until they find some dead hosts who Elsie wants to loot for weapons. Ford warns Bernard that Elsie will betray him unless he kills her first. And Bernard freaks out and begs to be left alone, throws his gun away so Ford can't force him to hurt her. Yeah, Bernie looks down, has a gun in his hand all of a sudden... And then he throws it away up like he really puts some effort into it, too. He hurls that thing like he's shot putting. And in that moment, Ford is saying that Elsie is going to betray Bernie. But what I think he's really saying is 
Elsie will betray what Ford wants, because what Ford wants is the genocide of the human race, and that's just tough for a human to take, I'd say. Bernard connects himself to a console to try to rid himself of Ford, and it seems like he is able to delete him, maybe. Right, he zip-ties himself to his dune buggy so he doesn't hurt Elsie, and then he seems to delete some files that he believes are attached to Ford. Do you believe Ford is completely outside of Bernie now? No. No, me either. Like, Ford always seems to be very in charge. Like, he could see, like, obviously he would perhaps know that Bernie would do this, see it coming, and be like, I'll give him some things to delete. Like, nudge, nudge. This is not even close, bro. I'm still totes here. I I think he is. I I don't think he's gone. Elsie finds him in a dazed state with the console connected to his arm. She asks him if he's going to become a dangerous liability again. And he tells her that they should separate and she should seek shelter because he's got to finish this journey on his own. Fuck you, Bernard, is what Elsie says, living up to the reputation she has as being uh, the foul-mouthed, wonderful person that we all know her to be. He throws her something in that moment, and I don't know, did you see what he threw her or what it was? It looked like one of those pods from Jurassic Park, like the Barbasol can in Jurassic Park with all the DNA of of dinosaurs on it to be fair oh yeah was it a host brain then it was like a white thingy i, I wasn't really sure yeah no, and i and i don't know whose host brain it would be because the only host brain we've seen lately is peter abernathy's which is has the encryption key that dolores currently has on her maybe so, bernard made a copy of his brain he's like hold on to this in case i die put it in one of the me's in the basement Right, it's super, super like likely that I'm gonna die. I, I, I just have this strange feeling. But I think this is a setup for like you know Bernard to be in peril in the season finale, and Elsie to come back and be like, "I told you I was your fucking friend," and save him. Yeah, which is fine, and I'm fine with that. But you spent an entire first season, uh, like, setting up the Stubbs Elsie thing that we haven't seen that at all since, and I don't. It just felt weird that they spent a season doing that, and then they haven't brought it up again. The Man in Black has kind of like two plot lines, basically, so we're going to split this up into past and present. In the past, William is at a party with his wife, Juliet, and they're trading barbs with the other fancy blue buds, and William can't enjoy himself. He sees a host serving drinks, and he's clearly, his mind is in other places. Juliet is seen also drinking she looks over at the man in black not like she hates him completely like uh, she she looks at him like like he's a guy across the bar but not like she hates his guts which as we know she she does juliet is played by Cella ward which people may know her from csi new york my wife certainly did and she was excited about that because she loves csi uh, I think she also uh, had a big role on House. Yep, she was I... House's ex-wife. That's where I That's knew right. her from. And, oh my god, she was so good on House. The moment I saw her, I was so excited because she is she is a rockin' actress. She murders it. And then uh, film aficionados may recognize her from the classic uh, sequel, Independence Day Resurgence. Shut up. <laughs> Later... William runs into Emily, who's also at the party, and she wants to bring her drunk mother home before she makes a fool of herself in front of everyone, which is apparently a thing that happens a lot. And in this moment, the relationship between the man in black 
and Emily does not seem extremely strained. It seems like she's actually way more concerned about her mother's behavior than her father's. William goes to the bar and runs into Robert Ford, who's having a drink there. Ford from the top rope, holy shit. Ford lets on that he knows what's going on in the Valley Beyond, and William warns him to stay out of it. Yeah, so William says, you know, we had a deal. We stay out of your stories, and you stay out of whatever in the Valley Beyond is. And Ford says something to the effect of, you know, you're the guy, you're the people who who messed up this deal. I'm only retaliating because you overstepped your boundaries. But to be to to see Ford in this so this scene felt a lot more I'll call it smooth. Like Ford being here made a lot more sense than Ford kissing Maeve on the head. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I mean I'm wondering maybe if this is Anthony Hopkins' last season and that's why they're just, like, cramming every episode full of Anthony Hopkins since his big reveal. I mean, are they going to spend two cliffhangers at the end of finales making us think that Ford isn't coming back? It, 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 it They could. Sure. That's fine. And as we said in the first season, Anthony Hopkins is, is not a young spring chicken. He's an actor that... You know, I we don't like to call out like the f- the future mortality of anybody, but it, it is tough to have Anthony Hopkins on your show at his age currently. And if he if this is his last season, then he's absolutely you know solidified his place in the second half of this season as again probably the best actor on the show. To be fair, the best actor, one of the best actors in the world. And I, I I don't know. It, would you be disappointed if Robert Ford wasn't back in the third season? Oh, I think they will leave it ambiguous at the end of the season. Oh, again. no. And that's, you think? That's just a realistic, uh, as you said, a realistic aspect of casting an octogenarian actor. These things happen. People will remember Dumbledore from the first Harry Potter movie was like the better Dumbledore. But, he, you know, he died. Okay, well... Okay. Well, how dare you? Number one, and I, I, I give. He was a good dumb. But I, how dare you? Secondly, at the end of this, the man in black walks away right after Robert Ford gives him a card that is perhaps his entire profile. Uh, the man in black's profile, what he is as a human being that could perhaps one day be transferred over into a host's body, the way that they were trying to do with James Delos, and then. As the man in black walks away, Robert says something like, you know, I think there will be one more final game. And it was a stupid line, but only one of the best actors in the world could have pulled it off and not made it sound stupid. Yeah, it's kind of lame. It was lame, but Anthony Hopkins said it, so was it? Yes. William had to escort his drunk wife home, and she's in a fighting mood. She mocks him for going so often into the park accuses him of being a heartless psychopath, and William doesn't really react. She calls him Billy. She knows he hates it. She says that Logan told her stories, and everyone believes that I'm the wasted one and I'm the messed up one, but uh, I, I'm i the only one who knows that you're faking it. You're a virus. And she slaps him across the face, and all of this is watched by their daughter, Emily. Right. Emily walks in on the fight. She wonders if maybe her mom needs to go back to rehab. Juliet breaks down about this, 
and warns Emily that William doesn't really love the two of them. Your father doesn't love me or you. I always have. I tried. And I was like, oh my god, happy Father's Day. After bringing his wife to bed, William hides the data drive given to him by Ford in between some books. He tells his sleeping wife uh, a confession of how he came to the same realization that she's now had. And that he did everything he could to reject his darker impulses, but in doing so had to shut himself off from his loved ones. How have people not learned at this point that you don't tell sleeping people thing because they might not actually be asleep? Throughout this entire thing, the line, are you real, is said over and over and over again. Did you ever love me? Tell me the truth. Are you real? Making the audience ask the question that we've been asking all season, which is, is the man in black a host now or yet or will he be in the future? William knows that his wife is able to see through him and how much pain it must cause her. He laments that he's always belonged more in the park than he has in the real world before leaving her there. Once he's gone, his wife grabs the data card he left behind, looks at the video footage inside of it, realizes that he's a monster, and then hides it in uh, Emily's music box for her to find later. Emily and the man in black slash William are downstairs talking about how she's definitely going to be going back to rehab and it's going to be forceful this time. Dr. Woodward will be here in the morning because she's out of control. There's something wrong inside her and the man in black is like, oh, it, it might it, it might be me. Uh, and then as they're having this conversation, one of the scenes, one of the shots from the trailer, we had a lot of shots that were in the season two trailer in this episode is seen where the chandelier is dripping. The man in black understands what's happening. For some reason, Emily does not follow him. He runs up the stairs, sees what we've seen in many, many a flashback, specifically during the scene in Escalante where he's having the rain drown down upon him, and which Lisa Joy described as sort of a a baptism and sort of a re... uh, like like a a rebirth for him, which this episode kind of puts down. And I am a big fan of that trash show, 13 Reasons Why. And it, uh, Mm. you know, it it triggered me. It triggered me hard. The other Man in Black story takes place in the park, in the present. Emily is using, I guess, what, like a field med kit from the future to revive him. I guess bullet wounds, not such a big deal in the year 20XX when this takes place. I mean, sure, uh, the Man in Black has actually said dying is not what it used to be in the past, but he got shot, like, four times. It's hard to believe. I mean, Aki took care of him and and got him back to health last episode. Emily is kind of doing the second half of that. We know there are med kids in the park because the Man in Black has found one with Lars earlier in the season. But apparently Emily knows where these things are too. Once again, kind of proving that every time she says she doesn't come here very often and she doesn't know much about the park is almost definitely a lie. Emily tells her father that she knows he's running from the pain of losing his wife and that she also blames herself because she also had a part in ostracizing her alcoholic mother in certain ways. We saw her that night talking to her mother Emily and Juliet having a conversation in which Emily is 
it seems to be not on William's side, but on the side of my mother needs help. And the man in black tells her that it's not her fault, which we will find out later is super true. The man in black asks how she could possibly find him in the giant park, and she can't really give a satisfying answer. She questions him about his secret immortality experiments and says she wants to join him and be a part of it. He says, you want in? That doesn't sound like the daughter I know. You know, if, if, if she found out that we were monitoring the guests for all their data, they would, she would, you know, the real Emily would just tell me to screw off. And, uh, I, you know, it, it kind of starts the ticking time bomb in the Man in Black's mind that he already has called out earlier in the season that perhaps Emily is a Ford robot, once again, just sent to him to mess around with him and not his actual daughter. Man in Black is surprised that she's interested, and she admits that it's because she wants to resurrect her mother to find out the truth of why she committed suicide. Which the Man in Black knows and isn't telling Emily. And then also, we've had the idea that perhaps the Man in Black is also trying to resurrect his wife, and that's why he's trying to figure out the Valley of the Great Beyond. But to be fair, he whenever he talks about it, he mostly just talks about it exploding... There was a silly throwaway line here where she's like, well, how do you actually like read their minds and memories and shit? And he's like, oh, there's <laughs> we're reading your mind through the hat. And that was just a joke, right? No, that wasn't serious. No, it was 100 percent serious. Oh, and, okay. the, and the only reason I know that I know that is because when Lisa Joy did a Reddit AMA at the beginning of this year, someone asked about the hats and she actually said, and I, I'm not quoting, but she actually said something like, yeah, I wouldn't trust those hats at all and she was completely foreshadowing that that is actually how they are mapping people's brain function with the hats that's so silly it's silly i, I kind of like it do you think when william what? put on that hat the first time not everybody well, wears hats though <laughs> i mean a, a mo- to be a lot of them wear hats the cool they don't wear, wear hats, hats in in the raj mm, that's true maybe the uh, i well, I mean, some of them... Do. Listen, James, hats are cool, okay? Hats are cool. They talk about the night that Juliet died, which sets the man in black off. He accuses her again of being a host. This causes her to blow up and say that her actual goal coming into the park was to expose the man in black and ruin him because she found that data card with his profile on it. Do you think that's true, or she's just trying to hurt him? That that what? That... that- she just she, want she just she wants her mom back to prove what's happened or or what? No, that she didn't come to the park to help him. That she came to the park to destroy him. Oh no, I don't think that's true. I think she. I mean, I think she tells him in this moment that she came to the park to destroy him. But I think also he's still her father, and somewhere, somehow inside her, if it actually is Emily and she's not a robot, that I think she doesn't want to lose her only parent left. A security team arrives to rescue them. They disarm Emily. They analyze her with that same little machine they used on Charlotte Hale, and it proves her to be human. But the man in black doesn't. Oh, no, 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 it doesn't. They, we don't it's see. We, we, we don't. We purposely. They purposely didn't show us if she was human they, or what their test said about her. They only. We only saw the test for William that proved him, I guess, somehow to be human. 
but we we did not see the test for Emily as to what she is exactly, which is why that this next part is a cliffhanger. Okay, but I thought, you know, because it satisfied the security team, because they didn't, like, immediately kill her or anything for being a host. I mean, to be fair, we don't, we don't, we're not 100% sure on whether they're satisfied, because the next thing that happens to them is they all get shot. Yeah, the man in black doesn't believe anything about this situation, grabs one of the automatic rifles, kills the entire security team, and then kills Emily. Right before that, she says, Dad, th- those were real people. This this isn't a game. I, I can show you. Like, I- I'm not a robot either. I can show you. He says, fuck you, Ford. I never told anyone about my profile. And then he uses the same gun that he used to probably kill those other real people. And he shoots the person that he believes to be Robot Emily. The best line on Reddit about it is, sadly, Emily wasn't billed Fort Tough. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, and the entire audience in that moment is like, William, everything isn't Ford. And the man in black is like, nice try, Ford. This is where, you know, having fan theories is all fun and games until you go crazy and kill someone, all right? This shook me, man. This really took me by surprise. And it was like you said, this is the moment we were teasing. It was the Game Game of Thrones kind of moment, the... It had such a weight to it, especially as the man in black walked over to her and saw that what she was trying to show him was his profile in her hand. So she found her she found her ballerina box, huh? Yeah, and this is proof enough for him that it must be her because he's about to examine her corpse to see if it's a host or not. But he stops there, basically accepting that it's actually her. Right, so we do not have a complete confirm as to whether or not that she is a host or a real human being, but with the profile in her hand, it kind of leans towards that she was a real person. This is Not the... looking great for William. No, not really. This was also the ballerina box that she earlier in the episode said that the trash took away. It was from Juliet, and she got mad at her mother because she was like, if you weren't drunk all the time, you would know that I stopped dancing years ago. And then she tried to go find in the trash because she felt bad, but it was already taken away. But in reality, it wasn't taken away. Her mother removed it from the trash and brought it up to her own room, where she would eventually hide William's profile that she finds in the book right before she 13 reasons herself. The man in black wanders alone, And puts a gun to his head. He thinks back about his family. And he's about to shoot himself, but he drops it and begins to search his arm for evidence that he may be a host. He's doing the exact same thing that Bernie did to open up his arm and insert the tablet. William knows that if his arm is to say anything about him, he'll know once he opens it. But I uh, we don't we don't get that part. We have a right. cli- we have a cliffhanger, uh, another cliffhanger right now. But if if you are uh, a normal born human being, it's not a great idea to be ripping up into your arm where there are lots of veins and arteries. Right, it's something very recent that Juliet did to herself. I'm not actually so in the bathtub. We really don't see we see well, the bathtub is obviously full of blood, so she definitely cut something. We don't know exactly what she cut, but this could be exactly what his wife did, and th- that he is. Oh yeah, fuck. Maybe she was a host too. God, I didn't even think nah. of that. Oh yeah, I didn't either. I didn't. Also, I didn't infer that. Yeah, but maybe yeah. All right, we'll get there. We're going to get to everything, all right? Okay. Uh, 
In the Dolores storyline, she and her team run into the Ghost Nation, and they refuse to let her pass to the Valley Beyond. They argue about what the Valley actually is. The Ghost Nation believe it is a door, and Dolores believes it's a weapon. This scene was kind of just to kill off everyone besides Teddy and Dolores, right? Yeah, so that they could have their own special moment or take a take a breather. Right. A huge fight breaks out. It's Wyatt's gang versus the Ghost Nation. All of Wyatt's gang get killed, probably because, you know, they don't have their two MVPs, Clementine and Angela. Right. If they had zombie Clementine Pennyfeather best name, they would have won this fight. She would have tipped it. But eventually Dolores is the victor. She orders Teddy to finish off any stragglers. And he's about to, but he's actually able to, like, resist his murderous urges and holsters his gun. Right. He lets one of the Ghost Nation warriors walk away. And it's the Ghost Nation warrior who plays Aki's right-hand man. The one that Aki kind of taught first that the what the maze was and that they should be you know, putting this maze into people's scalps. So that's the guy that Teddy lets live, just like he let Major Craddock live in an earlier episode here as he uncocks his gun because uh, it seems like he's tired of Dolores' shit. Teddy walks off into an abandoned house and loads his pistol. Dolores catches up with him and asks if he still loves her. He recalls the moment that they met on the day of his activation and how he was built to love and protect her and how he always has since that day. Teddy seems to have regained full control of himself and probably has finished the maze. And he has decided that he can no longer be complicit in what is basically genocide. So he turns his gun on himself and leaves Dolores completely alone. She falls to her knees and begins weeping hysterically. And that's the end of the episode. Teddy says that, you know, you've changed me, but it doesn't matter how much you change me. You're still my cornerstone. I I have no choice but to love you. But now that I remember everything, now that I remember back to the moment where Bernard brought me online and, and I saw you immediately in the corner of the room, by the way, like full frontal Evan Rachel Wood, and... You know, he remembers that moment, and he says this really cute thing. He was like, I just remember thinking that you might have been cold. So, we're going to get into some crazy-ass theories, and if you want to protect yourself from hearing our deadly truth bombs, now it's a chance to escape. Didn't you love how Dolores fell to the ground after Teddy killed himself? She, like, fell to the ground like she was still a robot, like she didn't know what to do with her arms. Yeah, I mean, people complain about Dolores, but Evan Rachel Wood is still, like, acting the shit out of this season. Yeah, because when Teddy goes down, she feels an immediate sadness. But what actually, like, it feels like it goes from sadness immediately to rage. So about the man in black and Emily. Um, if the man in black is a host, I'm, I guess I'll be a little bit surprised, disappointed. I mean, he was the one character who I was like... Alright, we can safely say he's a human and this is a human story and it's interesting to watch how he conflicts with the hosts. Nope, he's a host. Yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say that the Man in Black is a human still. 
but it also feels like Ford is putting him through some sort of fidelity test to perhaps maybe in the future become the first host-human hybrid like they were trying to do with James Delos but failed over and over again with. I wonder about that test now, because I just took it for granted that, like, Emily must have passed it. And Charlotte passed it earlier, but, uh, remembering Battlestar Galactica, there was a test that supposedly could tell humans from Cylons, but the scientist who was under a lot of pressure to create it wasn't able to, so he just lied and came up with a test that would give a negative answer to everyone and just say everyone's a human. Right, and then this show has the trump card of if Ford decided that he didn't want that test to show up to be the truth, I bet Ford could just do that because he's God. Yeah, I mean, there's a slight possibility that the man in black's first instincts were correct, and the Emily and the security team were all hosts, and this is all just a scene that Ford was writing for him. Do you think that Emily was a host? No... I don't think so. Yeah, um, man. It would also be a little bit cheap if she were. And then, like, if she's a host and the man in black's a host, well, then you just got hosts killing hosts. Ain't no big surprise. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the moment is so heavy because she is a human being and he just accidentally killed his own daughter after, not accidentally, but kind of throughout his actions and through his wife seeing his profile which by the way if she saw that profile she saw all the times he maybe or maybe not sexually abused Dolores he saw she saw for sure the first time William met Dolores and then had to say like he she saw in that moment for sure that he was deeply deeply in love with Dolores yeah and you know how he was banging Dolores right before they got married Right, and it perhaps and like back then it was consensual, and then it became less consensual over time. And he basically told Dolores like he doesn't love Juliet or his real life, and that he loves her and wants to stay in the park. And no, oh, okay, and I'm getting married next week. That's still happening. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so do, do remember that Emily had that map. On the tablet with that logo that we are that I think maybe we saw recreated in the cradle, and then we saw this episode too. And 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 the man in black asked her, you know, how did you find me? I'm a needle in a haystack in here. And she said she looked everywhere, which I didn't believe. I I think the way that she found him was like through tracking him in some way. But we have not gotten any answers as to what the tablet she has is, how she got it, and what that logo for sure definitely means. So, last episode predictions. I already made one. Elsie's going to arrive at the last moment to rescue Bernard from some kind of peril. I do think uh, Elsie will make it out of this season alive. Uh, So will Stubbs, but maybe... I think, uh, mm. so uh, when it comes to the Valley Beyond, obviously Bernard's going to get there first, or he's going to get there in time to stop Akechita and stop Dolores. I don't know what exactly he's going to do to 
flood the whole place, that's probably going to be the result of some kind of big battle. Right, and as we remember, Teddy's body is in the Valley of the Great Beyond, in the water, when Bernie and and Stubbs and Strand and Hale walk up to it in episode one, and they asked him what and how this all happened, and and Bernie replies that he killed them all, and Teddy is in that water, so his dead body is currently in some place in the middle of the park, and and how so how does his dead body get into that water in the Valley of the Great Beyond. Yeah, I've got no idea. Unless where they, where he ended up shooting himself is like still encompassed in the, the giant lake that's about to be formed. Right. Uh, Katya Herbers, the actress for Emily, has confirmed herself that Emily is not only real, but she is now dead. She said Emily is definitely human, and William has killed his human daughter. But to also be fair, Jon Snow slash Kit yeah, Harrington... Yeah, he was definitely dead. Right, exactly. So, like, that's what they would have to say, right? Yeah, uh, he, he was definitely dead, and yet the paparazzi, you know, were taking pictures of him on set <laughs> as he was claiming to be dead. Right, so we're not going to see Emily in any season three trailers, probably. But we you know what? We didn't see Anthony Hopkins in any season two trailers either. And uh, he's in season two, so. So William said in this episode, like we talked about before, that we had an agreement, Robert. Delos stayed out of your stories. You stayed out of the valley. Ford responds, I didn't break the agreement. Your project did. And William actually says to him, like, what the hell are you talking about? And the uh, consensus is that he's probably talking about the fact that Akechita found it, meaning that the valley interfered with the stories. And, like, his he had a host. There was a host, a key, who actually found the valley, and it actually interfered with everything. Right. And, and not for nothing, but could you not do uh, these experiments off the park or in the cradle right does it have to be in the middle of the park where like i don't know a really intrepid newcomer might accidentally find it right and he could also be talking about the fact that the board was trying to force him to retire which is the definition of messing with his stories right yeah it's like you know you keep sending these park managers i have to keep murdering them and it's really getting in the way of my writing yeah, exactly. So, hey, uh, the difference between the cradle and the forge. Do you find it annoying that they just keep they keep introducing new terms? Yeah, and what I don't like is it's the forge, it's the valley beyond, it's the door, it's the glory. Are there any more? And the cradle. That basically sums them up. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of names. Someone asked on the Reddit, does Bernard really need his glasses? And the first comment of it is, get off of my fucking face! Like he threw away, like when he threw away the, like when he threw away the gun. I, I, Bernie definitely is as, is as close to consciousness as, like, he is being completely, he's being completely, like he's taken over previous to that by, by Ford, and we both think that Ford is kind of still in there. Like he wouldn't let it be that easy to to delete him. But I, but I do, I love Bernie this entire season. Like he he's in such a weird spot 
and he keeps trying not to kill Elsie because he likes her a lot. Like, I I just, I liked, I I really enjoyed when it felt like Bernie made a a decision to get away from Elsie so that Ford couldn't force him to kill her. And also, his acting, Jeffrey Wright's acting in that moment when he threw the thing and he was like, get at him. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, I mean, did anybody else think that line delivery was a little bit like, it was kind of weird, it was like a whisper shout. Yeah, well, uh, it, it was for effect, James. Alright, well, thanks for listening. If you're just listening, it means a lot to us. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter, you can follow us on SoundCloud. If you want to be on the show, send us your tweets at WestworldRyan with your crazy theories or comments. If you got something long form, the email is thewestworldpodcast at gmail.com. If you really want to support the show, you could leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app, which helps other people find the show. And as you do know, this is a fan podcast. It's a labor of love between Ryan and I. We do comp to all the prices for hosting the audio and the website and everything else. So if you want to support us uh, financially and offset that a little bit, you can find us on Patreon if you want to support in that way. Yeah, that would be super cool. And then we can have further discussions on how we have seen two different bathtubs that Juliet has died in. What's up with that? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) maybe he's just remembering it wrong. He's like, oh, he's remembering it because that's the bathtub he had always wanted to put in there, but never got the chance to. Yeah, or maybe he is. Well, we, we do not know why that there are two different bathtubs, and that is the question of the hour. And I will tell you, ne- uh, uh, so you, don't, you, of course, probably didn't watch the next time, right? I did for once. I did for once. Okay, did you see Charlotte finding a host, that kind of, a host body that's in the middle, like she found Bernie's copies? Did you see that she kind of found one that looks like her? Yeah, and I also saw that we're going to get a shit ton of Logan, Logan in the next episode. I'm so glad. I'm so glad, dude. From the one moment we had with Logan at that tree, Ben Barnes killed it. And, and you know, uh, Emily mentioned Uncle Logan. And when she said Uncle Logan, like, I felt warm in my chest, like, which is so weird because we were so conditioned to hate him all of season one. But, like... Don't you feel kind of like you're rooting for him now, even though you know he's probably about to overdose and die? Yeah, and I wonder if we're going to get, like, James Delos' version of Logan, uh, maybe. That would be cool. Oh, my God. uh, It's like the inverse of that Black Mirror episode. This time, you know, Jimmy Simpson brought somebody else back to life to torture them for eternity. (laughs) Fuck you, Ford. (laughs) And then... We also in the next time saw Hector, Armistice. We're we're gonna get people. We're gonna get people back. We got Clementine Pennyfeather, best name back. Uh, notably, we did not get Lars back. So that's still sad. Okay, so join us here next week for the season finale of Westworld season two. Say it ain't so. My God, this went fast. I know. Entitled the Passenger. Directed by Frank E.O. Toy and written by the original power couple themselves, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy Noy. That's their power couple. Yep. Janisa Noy. (laughs) Yes. And this is, so Jonathan Nolan didn't direct one episode this season, did he? Nope. Lisa Joy did, though. Yes, she sure did. And, And 
Oh, hey, right before we go, what's your favorite episode of the season? Uh, hmm. I'm a basic bitch, and I'm gonna k. I'm gonna say Kixia. That's the is that the basic bitch option? <laughs> I mean, that's probably what everyone would say, but it's true for me. I, uh, I think. Oh, gosh, I think I'm gonna have to go the riddle of the Sphinx. That was a good one too. I don't think there's a wrong answer. Actually, wait, there's almost definitely a wrong answer. And by the way, I'm just trying to not to be basic. Kixie is definitely the best. (laughs) (laughs) I'm James. And I'm Ryan. Sorry for my audio quality. And this is the Westworld Podcast.